You're listening to our Southside Baptist Church podcast. For more audio content, please refer to our website. This is baptistchurch.com. Amen. As we, as um, the 6 to 11 year olds um, line up for Children's Church, I want you to remain standing. We're going to pray. Amen. We're going to pray for them. We're going to pray for us. And we're going to be, we're going to dig into God's word. Amen. Amen. So let's all bow our heads. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Jesus, God, I'm so thankful that you are strong, Lord, that in the midst of all of our struggles, that we can look to you, God. You, you're a refuge, a strong tower when we, have, when we are in need, God. You bring us security, you bring us comfort, God, and you fulfill our needs. And we're so thankful, God, that even in this holiday season, God, that we're reminded of the ultimate sacrifice, God, that your son, Jesus, God, was born to die on a cross, Lord, for our sins. Lord, my prayer, God, is that as we, as the little ones leave, Lord, and God, they'll be having a special lesson prepared just for them, God, where um, Davion will be sharing about the story of Moses, Lord, uh, and God, and, and your deliverance, God. God, I also pray, God, that you'll be working on our hearts and minds, God. Thank you for this time we've had of worship, Lord. Help us to be, God, help us to see that the songs we sing, God, can be a reflection of our hearts, God, if only we trust in you. In Jesus, amen. Amen. If you would remain standing and turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. As always, thank the praise team for, all their, for leading us into worship. Once again, this is 1 Kings chapter 19. We're going to start reading from verse 1. If you have it, say amen. Amen. So keep in mind that we'll be re- reading the story from last week, but I want to make sure that today we're going to turn the corner. We've had a lot of time talking about all these different things, anxiety and depression and all these different things, but today we want to turn the corner. We've got to find hope in the midst of hopeless situations. Amen? But before we do that, let's read this story once more. Once again, starting at verse 1, here's how it reads. Now Ahab told Jezebel that Elijah had, what Elijah had done, and now... He, And now he had killed the prophets with a sword. And Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So may the gods do to me even more if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And he, meaning Elijah, was afraid and arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. Verse 4 says that, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under the juniper tree. And he requested himself, he requested for himself that he might die. And he said, and he said, it is enough now. O Lord, take my life. Take for I am for I'm not better than my father's. And verse 5 says he laid down and he slept under a juniper tree. And behold, there was an angel touching him. And he said to him, arise and eat. Then he, and then he looked, and behold, there was his, I mean, was at his head a bread cake baked on stones and a jar of water. And so he ate and drank and lay down again. And then the angel of the Lord, again, for a second time, touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. Verse 8 says, And he arose, and he ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. Then he came there and he into a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous 
um, I have been very, have been very zealous for if we have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. And I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. So he said, go forth, stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by. And then the great and strong wind was rending the mountains and breaking the pieces of rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after that, after the wind was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a gentle blowing. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in the mantle, and he went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And then he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, for the God of hosts. The sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword, and I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you have arrived, you shall anoint Haziel the king of Aram, and Jehu the king of Nimshe, and, the, and he shall anoint the king over Israel, and Elisha the son of Shaphat, of Abel Mahola, you shall anoint as prophet of your, in your place. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, God, God, add a blessing to those who not only hear and read, God, but they apply your word in such a way, God. Touch the heart of your servant who speaks, God, and God, let people's hearts and minds be changed, God, for your, for your glory, for your grace in Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So for the last three weeks, we've been sharing and we've been talking about um, vulnerabilities, and we've been doing this series called In a Vulnerable Place. And so as I mentioned right before we read, now is the time that we turn the corner, that we come to the point of hope. But we have to make sure that we understand that as we've been going through this series, we've been working based off three different principles here. you got to have the right attitude if we're going to change our minds. Number one, you have to remember, Jesus loves us even though we're very vulnerable people. Amen? Number two, we are all susceptible to vulnerabilities. Amen? And despite our vulnerability, God finds value in each of us. In the past few weeks, we've talked about King Saul. We talked about his battle with anxiety. We talked about Elijah with depression. And so now we're going to move to talk on another side of this story about not just about what Elijah was stuck in, but how he's going to get out how he's going to get out. And notice that as he finds his way out, I gave you a hint last week that as he finds his way out, the solution to finding your way out of any vulnerabilities in, most, in a lot of cases is to start looking outward rather than inward. Now, I'll make the disclaimer that there are times where we do need to look inward and we need to do self-examination and inventory on our lives and what we're doing and how we're living our lives. But there are times when we get so stuck in our own heads, in our own minds, and stuck in our own ways that it's time for us to stop looking at us and start looking towards and start looking outward towards the Father. Amen? And so notice that in this story, the way that the, the, the synopsis of the story is this, is that Elijah is running away. He's running away from Jezebel who wants to kill him. You know, in, chapter, in 1 Kings chapter 18, he had a mountaintop experience. He faced the, the 850 prophets of Baal, and he won. 
And you would think that it'd be a cause for high five because he, as the prophet of God standing alone, defeated all these people and the people have turned their heart back to God. But in the midst of all this that's happening, he finds himself stuck because the immediately, the moment after he has his great triumph, he goes into the valley because now his life is on the line. Eventually, he finds himself stuck under a juniper tree, trying to find rest and solace for his weary soul, understanding that his life is on the line. And in the midst of all of that, God meets him under the tree and he ministers to him. God meet him, meets him under the tree and he ministers to him. This ministry that God brings heals, is starting to begin to heal him, and it brings a certain perspective to Elijah's weary soul. And so for Elijah to survive the things that he was going through, he had to stop focusing on himself, and he had to look externally to overcome. And you know, that's true of us. We often have to find, we often need an external voice to remind us that we are not the only people who struggle. And so I want to remind you once more time, you are not alone. Others share your plight, and they want to under overcome, but they need help. To walk out of anxiety and depression, there are small bouts, and then there are long bouts. And we need help to be able to walk through that. But now as we take another look at Elijah's story, my hope is that we can see the valuable wisdom that we can help people overcome vulnerabilities. And based on his experience, we can be I mean, being ministered to by God, we need to see that there are a few practical things we can hang our hats on in hope. Now, I wanna make one disclaimer about this list. This list is not exhaustive, yet it is important. It's not exhaustive. This is not the list of every possible solution to solve the woes, right? but it is very important. The first thing I want to do is try your attention back to verse 5. Go back to verse 5. Here's what it says. It says, Elijah, he laid down and he slept under a juniper tree, and behold, there was an angel touching him, and he said, arise and eat. Now, you got to understand that the reality of the, of the situation was that Elijah was running for his life, amen? But now, the other thing was that Elijah was tired. Elijah was weary. Elijah needed rest. And we want to make sure that we as people are healthily getting rest. But there comes a time when we need to recognize that we can't stay under the tree. Elijah wanted to stay under the tree and said, Lord, just, just take me away. Just kill me, Lord. I can't take this anymore. And that is where his behavior became healthy. So how do we solve this issue? Or how do we begin to resolve this issue. Number one, my first point, if we are going to be people who overcome our vulnerabilities, we have to replace old habits, old behaviors. You see, the number one way to prolong yourself in a, long, in a low season is to stay down. You know, I often hear, I can, sometimes I've heard of stories and I've known of people who've struggled with um, things like depression. And I hear stories like, man, I, you know, it's like them going to bed and not wanting to get up and face life or them finding all, their, all the way they can to avoid the inevitable. But what, one thing that we definitely know is that if we want to do differently and do better, 
we have to replace our old behaviors. In fact, mental health professionals will refer to this as what's called a behavior activation. Behavior activation. You see, because when we don't change our habits, if there's no treatment for our behaviors, we continuously do negative avoided behaviors. So even in the case of what I just mentioned, if we continue to sleep to avoid our life circumstances and things that are going on, all it's going to do is it going, it's going to worsen your situation. Is everybody following me? And so if you stay in that state, you're gonna cause yourself even more pain. And guess what, as you have more pain, guess what happens? You feel the need to avoid even more. Maybe you have anxieties about being around people. Not being around people will not help you get over your anxiety of being around people. I want to be as practical as I possibly can. You see, the reality of it is this. When we continuously do negative behaviors, there's an immediate consequence and a response to that. For instance, if I decide to sleep till noon nearly every day and avoid the stress and negative feelings that I have, my immediate consequence could be that I miss breakfast, which means I'm not eating right. I have no time for exercise, which means that I'm not getting healthier. And I have no time for my daily responsibilities, which puts me, my wife, and my children at risk. And not only that, my response, after I do that, those immediate consequences, my response ends up being what? It's increased stress due to unaddressed responsibilities. You see, one thing you have to understand, everyone, is that if you're going to have hope to overcome, you've got to change your behaviors. Now, here's the thing. I am not submitting that this is the easiest thing in the world to do. However, we can take little steps in how we activate those behavior activations. Amen? It means that when we feel like, when, when, we ha when we have those points where we want to just stay asleep, where we want to just stay in our bed, where we want to eat the pain away, where we want to just sit and soak and binge on, binge on TV, or whatever the case may be, whatever our um, drug of choice, so to speak, is, we have to remind ourselves that, listen, I don't like the pain I'm in, and I don't want it to go any deeper. You see, Elijah was sleeping because he needed rest. However, he was also neglecting the personal care of his body. He was out of his routine, and it exacerbated his condition. A thought here. Sometimes we're vulnerable because we don't take care of ourselves. You see, when I think about this point, I think about Snickers commercials. Okay, just let me explain before you think that's weird, right? One of my favorite sneaker commercials of all time is when the snick, when somebody is like having a bad day, right? In fact, my favorite one is this. There were guys out there, there were guys who were playing football, and so they're throwing football passes to this one guy, and he says, you're looking like Betty White out there, and then they show Betty White actually on the field, right? Well, then he says, here, have a Snickers, right? Because the idea and the tagline for the Snickers commercial is, you're not yourself when you're hungry, right? You're not yourself when you're hungry. Well, guess what? You're not yourself when you're tired. You're not yourself when you're angry all the time, right? Or you're irritable all the time, are you? You're not yourself, right, when you don't get the right amount of rest. Some of you are not yourself when you don't have your coffee, okay? 
You know, there's a famous McDonald's commercial, right? When there's a guy who, who's like, so it's like, oh, can we get, a, not, not, not before my coffee, right? Like, and so finally, when he has his coffee, he becomes normal, right? And so if you're hungry, you're tired, maybe you need space, maybe you need time, there are simple habits that can make a big difference in how you overcome your vulnerabilities. So with that being said, here are a few things to hang your hat on. Eat regularly and properly. Get adequate amounts of sleep. There just comes a time when your body shuts down on you. <laughs> there, yes, you know, sometimes I hear people talk about, man, um, you know, I, I've heard guys say, man, I'm a grind and, man, I'll sleep later. Well, no, you're going to die <laughs> and then you'll be on an eternal sleep, right? And so what you need to do is be, be healthy, guys, because sometimes there are times when we've done things a thousand times over and we think in our heads, oh, man, I could do that in my sleep, right? But there just comes a point when because you don't have enough to eat or you don't get enough sleep or you don't do all those things that keep you in regular regimen that even the best of us will not be able to concentrate and do the things that we know like the back of our hand. Amen? So you need to get, the, you need to make those simple habits in your life count. Get into the routine. Exercise regularly. Do hobbies and activities that you enjoy. Sometimes we're so busy burning the candle at both ends that we forget that life, don't get me wrong, we have to work. We have to do all these things so that we can maintain some things, right? But the reality of it is God created work, amen? But then he also wants us to have life and have it more abundantly. It requires, it's, it requires you to do things that keep you healthy, right? If you enjoy reading a book, take time to do it. Right? Whatever that time is, always find time in the day to do, to do something that will relax you. For some of us, we get off work and we have a lot on our minds and we need some space. And we need to be able to give those people space. There are some mothers in this room who are taking care of children all the time, right? And they need somebody to take the kids for a few minutes or a couple of hours, maybe even a day. <laughs> and they need to get some rest, amen? Oh, no mothers need rest? Okay, well... Guys, work the mothers until they need, I'm just kidding, Joe. But, um, but, but seriously, we need to do things that we enjoy so that we're able to be healthy. There are times where you just need some space. You need to take time and be okay with the fact that you need space. There is a 30 minute window when I get home where I don't really wanna talk about anything I don't really want to, I, I don't want to put out fires. I just want to sit and be by myself. I've had to stare at a screen. I've had to do some stuff. I've just, I just want to just have that space, right? And I think that everyone should find some time in a day, wherever, whatever it looks like, where we just break away from everything just so we can stay sane. I think, if, I think if you start adding little things like that into your life, you'll realize that you're able to go on just a little bit further, amen? You see, and not only that, take some time to laugh. Sometimes we're so serious because don't get me wrong, life gets hard. We need to laugh about something. Watch something that makes us laugh. Do something we enjoy. We can't always be sticks in the mud, right? We have to find a way to enjoy something and you know, you've ever heard that you ever heard that saying, right? About sometimes you have to keep you have to laugh to keep from crying. Right? It's this idea that listen, you've got to find some way to keep yourself from breaking. You need to find healthy habits. 
And it doesn't necessarily have to start with this major life change. It can start with very simple habits. You see, those habits we have sometimes are just like riding a bike against the wind. You see, when we ride our bike against the wind, it causes us to work harder, right? And we find ourselves in the point, I feel like I'm doing a hand tricycle. That's not really a bike, okay? But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, but you, when you ride against the wind, right, you exert yourself more. You find yourself struggling more, right? But now imagine when you turn yourself around and you ride with the wind. The wind helps you, right? And so we have to live our lives in such a way where we are riding, we are riding with the wind and not always going against the wind because that is the thing that keeps us from changing our old behaviors to new. Amen? Moving on. You see, as Elijah was... As Elijah was um, at this point where he was being ministered to by the Lord, the Lord saw that he was sleepy, saw that he was hungry, saw that he was tired. And so the Lord ministered him by allowing him to sleep, by providing him a hot meal, providing him something to drink, and then telling him, listen, you've got to get up. You've got to arise and eat because, listen, you've got a journey to go on, and the journey is long. So you look at verse 7. It says that the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. You see, not only, if you want to overcome, not only is it good to replace negative behaviors, but it's also good to identify your angels. See, for Elijah to be able to take the journey, Elijah had to rely on the angel coming, the angel of the Lord coming and ministering to him. And now in this scripture, you notice that it says the angel of the Lord. There are some people who would say that this may be Jesus Christ because of the language in it. And one of the titles that Jesus, I mean, that Jesus has is called the angel of the Lord. Some people believe that this is Jesus showing up to Elijah and saying, listen, you've got to get up. You've got to go. All right, you've got to take this journey because your journey's long, right? But, not, but nonetheless, the angel comes, ministers to Elijah, and gives him the strength to go on. You see, getting up is easier said than done. But the last thing sometimes you feel like doing is getting up when you're stuck in a rut. In, in, the, in, in his worst moments, Elijah found himself being ministered to by an angel that brought him comfort, security, and rest. You see, you have to understand that sometimes having an angel that's a friend, a, a, a family member, an individual, um, a spouse, or a community um, who can cheer you on is an invaluable tool. But sometimes, and so, but sometimes good counsel is hard to find. You see, if we are going to overcome more than likely, we cannot do this alone. You need to look. There are people around you who are like your angels. Just like Elijah's angels were the one ministering to him, you have a spouse or a friend or a community member or a church that's working to, to, that's working to um, encourage you and build you up so that you're able to have the strength to go on. And we want to make sure that the people who are ministering to you are a part of good counsel because, you know, there are sometimes good counsel is hard to find. Amen. You know, there are plenty of people who will tell you stuff if you pay them, right? There are plenty of people who will give you some advice if it works towards their good. But you want to have good counsel that is going to, that's going to minister to your heart and keep you before, right before God, amen? 
You see, the characteristics of a good counselor are this. They need to be trusting. That means that when you come to this person, they don't share all your business with other people. Right? When you come to them, the last thing that should happen is that when you come to them, like, oh, yeah, come on, let's talk about it. Did you hear that they were in this problem and this is, oh, my goodness, right? That's not the type of person you need ministering to you. You need someone who's trustworthy. Number two, you need somebody sometimes with experience. Now, there are times when you go through things, and that person may not have the experience, but they're able to give you some, some wise advice, and that's a good thing. But, man, it doesn't hurt that there's somebody who's actually been through what you're going through to be able to describe what you're going through. Amen? Not only that, you want somebody with some wisdom, that they know how to navigate the journey. They have wisdom to help you navigate the journey. You see, have you ever noticed that geese fly in a V? Have you ever noticed that? When birds fly, a lot of times they fly in a geese, especially geese. Well, they fly in the V formation because there is a 71% chance of them actually being more efficient in the journey when they fly in the V. And here's the thing. If something should happen to, one of the, to, to a goose and that goose falls off of the V, well, guess what? Two, two geese fall off the formation and go down to be with the one goose who's hurting until he's ready to continue the journey. What does that mean? What does that mean for you? Sometimes we need some people who can stand alongside us as we make this hard journey. And sometimes it requires that you have some counseling. And there are different types of counseling. You may be thinking, Reggie, I don't need counseling. I'm fine. Well, yes, you do. Everyone needs a little counseling. Let me tell you why. There's, when I think about counseling, I think about it being in three levels. Number one, there's venting. Sometimes life gets, gets so hard, you just need somebody to air it out to. Like you've had a long day at work or you've had a, dist a distraction or you had some incident that's just sitting with you and you don't know what to do. So you just need to get it off your chest. Maybe you do that to a spouse. Maybe you do that to a family member or a, a close trusted friend. But there are also times where you need to just essentially get proper perspective. You're at a point in life where you got to make some decisions and there's some things going on that you're not quite sure to deal with. So you get with somebody to have the proper perspective. Maybe that's a counselor. Maybe that's your pastor. Maybe that's a Sunday school teacher. Maybe that's an, a, wise, um, a wise sage within your church, whatever the case may be. But then there comes a time where you need professional medical treatment. And here's the thing, don't be afraid to get what you need to make you healthy. Don't be afraid. You see, because a lot of us will be a whole lot more healthier if we actually talk about the things that ail us. Find somebody, and let me, be, let, me be really, let me be really practical here. There may be some of you going through some things that you feel like you can't talk to anybody in here. Well, I suggest you go find somebody outside of the, your, your influence or outside of certain relations or whatever the case may be to go and talk to. Because simply getting it off your chest and being able to bounce ideas and thoughts off someone else is going to make you a much healthier person. You ever heard the saying, pressure bust pipes? Well, listen, if you come to a point where you continue to hold on and hold on, that, that makes you strong, but eventually the pipe is going to burst. And the question becomes, when will it burst? Will it burst in some type of outrage in a place that you never thought it would? Would it, come, would it come in some type of breakdown that you never thought you would have? You have to find healthy outlets to be able to overcome your vulnerability, amen? 
remember this also. Maybe it's because, maybe you need to find somebody in one of those counseling areas who will be able to go for a walk with you. Maybe they can, maybe once a week they grab a coffee with you. Maybe it's as simple as just sitting down or getting out of the house so that you're able to concentrate, think, and say what's on your mind. But just realize that you're not alone and someone, you need somebody to chat with. And remember this, you also have the opportunity to be this figure in somebody else's life. You see, there are times where you need somebody to talk, you need somebody to talk to. There will also be times where you need to be the one that sits and chats and ministers to someone else. And this can happen sometimes at the same time. There are times where God and his divine providence will put somebody in your way where at this moment you're going through it and now you're having to turn around and use those same principles that are being told to you with somebody else. There is no perfect rule that says that you have to be out of the storm or out of your vulnerability or on the other side to be able to minister to someone else. Now, more preferably, we want you to be healthy in doing that, but there are times where God gives you immediate lessons he wants you to apply right now. Now, as we, as we, as we move forward, we see that Elijah finds himself at the point where now he's on this journey, 40 days and 40 nights. And the, and the journey he's making to, the journey that he's making to the Mount of God was approximately roughly about 200 miles from Beersheba. Now, some people, some scholars say that it's probably a journey that probably should have taken roughly about two weeks, maybe 10 days, and yet it took 40 days. But now I notice a trend in this. Um, you know, Moses spent 40 days with God. We know that Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness. And so we see kind of this correlation that maybe this was a chance for God to minister to Elijah as he was struggling. Because here's the thing. It never says that Elijah was out of his depression by the time he got to the Mount of God. By the time he got there, he was still dealing with it heavily. And so he comes to the mountain. And keep in mind that He's on, he was at the point of suicide, and then he shows up at the mountain. And notice, that, and notice how it happens. Look, at, look in verse 10. You see, Elijah is Elijah simply crying out before the Lord, saying, listen, I've been working, Lord. I've been, I've, been trying to get the, I've been trying to help the people see you, but yet I'm the only one. And remember from last week, we said that although he said he was the only one, he really wasn't the only one. And then it says that he, and so he said, go, and so then God says to him at the mountain of God, he says in verse 11, go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by and the great strong wind was rending the mountains and breaking into pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of a gentle blowing or whisper. You see, in this, particular, in this particular time, God is trying to show Elijah something that he needs to be reminded of. Remember, the key to trying to overcome in this case is to look outward rather than inward. You see, God was making these things happen to remind, to remind Elijah that, listen, God is powerful. God says, listen, I could work through this. I could work through the wind. I could work through the earthquake. I could even work through the fire. I've chosen not to do that. I choose, in this case, to call out 
in a whisper. God is saying, listen, I have every tool in my toolbox to help you overcome, but I need you to trust me. This brings me to my third point. After he comes out, after, after Elijah hears this whisper, he comes out and God says, what are you doing here? What are you doing here, Elijah? And it carries the idea that, listen, God was trying to get him to do something else. My third point is this. Not only do we need to, not only do we need to change our negative behavior, replace our negative behavior, not only do we need to find counsel, not only do we need to find our angel, but third, we need to realize our purpose. You see, sometimes the only way that we can look, the only way we can be able to be healthy and to be able to overcome is not just looking, out of, looking outside of ourselves, but looking at what has God called me to do. You see, a lot of times we struggle because we are not reminded of the value that God has given us. There's a time where we need a fresh encounter with God so that we're able to have the right focus on the task at hand. After being, after being focused, Elijah was instructed to go back, go back to the, I mean, go by the Lord back to Damascus because he had work to do. You see, one of the best ways for us to overcome is to move forward despite our feelings. Keep in mind, he came, Elijah came to the mountain and he was like, Lord, it's only me. I'm the only one doing something. I can't take this anymore. This is enough. And yet God's answer was, okay, I need you to go down to Damascus. I got some work I need you to do, right? He turned his focus to God's purpose. He turned his focus to God's purpose for his life. Now, was God ignoring his needs? No, because God had already started providing his needs back in verses four and five. You're hungry, man. You need some sleep. You're thirsty. All right, I got you. I'm going to take care of you. But listen, I'm fueling you up because I got stuff you got to do. The reality of it is, if we're going to overcome, we got to have a different frame of reference. And to get that, we have to be locked in to what God's purpose, I mean, what God's purpose is for our lives. You see, he couldn't, Elijah could not perform the work that he needed to do wallowing in self-pity under the tree. Did you get that? He could stay there and go, woe is me, I can't take this anymore. But God said, listen, that's not going to get you out of the trap. Getting up, moving forward is going to get you out of the trap. Amen? And listen, Elijah had some very important work to do. Look at verse 15. Elijah is sent out, and, he's, and he, once again, even in verse 14, it says that Elijah says again, I've been very zealous for you, Lord, the God of hosts. The sons of the Lord, I mean, the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, down your, I mean, tore down your altars and your prophets with the, with the sword, and I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. So here's how the Lord responds. Go on your way and return to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you have arrived, you shall anoint Haziel, king of Aram, and, the Jehu, and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, and shall anoint the king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat. Right? You shall anoint the prophet in your place. So God's answer to Elijah was, listen, you're valuable to me. You've got stuff to do. There are people counting on you, Right? 
He had to go anoint kings. That's important, right? That's important. Now, could, now here's the thing. Could God have chosen anybody else to do it? He could have. He could have. But guess what? God thinks that you're so special, he wants to carry it out through you. Think about that. The God of the universe could choose any means, any vehicle, anything to accomplish his will, and yet he says, no, 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 I want you. Think about that, guys. Elijah was like, hey, mm -mm, no, take me out. I can't do this anymore. And yet he's like, no, 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 I want you to do it. I need you to do this, right? And not only did he anoint kings, but one of the most important things he did was to disciple Elisha. He chose his replacement. Do you get that? Elisha would go on to do even greater things than Elijah had done, right? God had to get him out of his funk because him getting out, him getting out was the next step to helping other people get where they needed to be. Maybe you're stuck right now. Maybe you feel like there's no way out. Well, listen, God wants to see you get out so that you can help others overcome. He needs you to overcome so that others can. It doesn't matter that he chose you. He chose you because he loves you. He values you. He wants to see you do well. And he yet, although he could choose any vehicle, and think about it, that's the whole point of his calling with Elijah, with the earthquake and the wind. He's like, listen, I could have called your attention in any way possible, and yet I chose a whisper. It's like him choosing that after a 400-year silence, he chooses to break his silence for Christmas with a baby crying, right? It's like all the people he could choose all over Israel to be king, and yet he chooses a boy who even his father denied him. God is, thinks that you're valuable, and he wants you to overcome. You're no different than Elijah. You have a purpose to fulfill Knowing this should give you hope that you can overcome your season and vulnerability. Now, as I come to the close, and you can stand up for this. This won't be long. I've said it probably about five times during this sermon already, but... I want to make sure that, I've said, that I say it again because it's so important. You see, Elijah went on to achieve some amazing things, right? And he even raised up another leader that was greater than him. But his journey wasn't over yet, and neither is yours. But the question becomes, how do you take the first step? How do you find yourself in a place where you can begin to overcome the thing that ails you? How do you overcome those anxieties and the depression? Anything else that could ail you? You have to start with one simple statement. I mentioned it last week. I've mentioned it multiple times before this. Let me say it again loud and clear so you get it. You are not alone. There is a tendency for us to think that we are the only ones who are suffering and we're not alone. To overcome, you've got to look out, not in. You've got to focus on what God has put before you and not the things that have hurt you. It's good to remember the past in the sense that you learn from it, but don't let it hold you back from accomplishing the future that God has for you. 
God wants to see you thrive. But to realize that you've got to start that, take that one step. You are not alone. And guess what? The God of the universe wants to help you overcome. He refuses to forsake you and leave you alone. He wants to help you identify the thing that hurts you. The solution to all of our problems, big, small, in between, is Jesus. It's Jesus. In the moments that we struggle most, he stands there. When he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, it may feel at times like you are alone and God is in the midst with you, wrapping you in his arms to say, listen, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it together. But again, it requires you to lay something down. It requires you to take your focus off of yourself and to focus on something else. It requires you to focus on, number one, Jesus and the salvation that he brings. You see, God died, God died to save you. And, that's, and, and through that salvation, yes, it gives you eternal life, but man, oh man, it also gives you peace of mind because God gives you what he has. God gives you the Holy Spirit to overcome any situation that you're going through. You know, the hard reality of this is that sometimes we hear messages like this and we think that's a man, Reggie, you know, I can't, I can't counsel anybody about this stuff. Here's the thing. If you have the Holy Spirit of God, you are a counselor. If you have the Holy Spirit of God, you are a counselor. Do you have PhDs? Maybe, maybe not. Have you taken some courses? Maybe, maybe not. But here's the thing. God's Holy Spirit can lead you in truth and help you say the right things at the right time to help somebody out. Amen? And the most helpful thing you could ever do for any person when they're going through is to remind them, hey, Jesus loves you. He loves you so much that he died for you. He loves you so much that he died so that you could have life and have it more abundantly. He died so that you could have peace of mind and joy even in the midst of a chaotic world. But you have to trust that the words being told to you are true. Have you trusted in that? Do you have security in knowing that the God of the universe has you in his hands and that he promises to never, ever let you go? It's with that assurance that I know that Jesus is the ultimate solution for anything that ails us. It's because of that that I know that despite my flaws, despite the times where I feel invaluable, God is there saying, son, you are, by far, you are, valuable, you are a valuable tool in my hands, and if you trust in me, I'm going to get you there. But you've got to lay down yourself. The part of you that says that you're worthless, lay it down. The part of you that says that you've been hurt too much and you can't do anything, lay it down. The part of you that says, I'm not worth saving, God says, I will, I can, if you accept me. God is standing there waiting for you, waiting to help you overcome, but you have to take his hand and let him guide you through the process because it's only by him that we overcome, amen? amen. Dear Lord, God, I pray, God, as we um, bring this to an end, Lord, I pray, God, that you would, God, would be, forever be with us, God, and remind us, God, that all the things that ail us, God, that you are here standing 
ready to receive us, God, if only we would trust in you. And so, Lord, our prayer today, God, is that as we look at the, the things that we go through, God, let us look through them with right perspective, knowing that, God, there are people, there are angels who you've put around us, God, to help us overcome. God, that there is a perspective that you want us to have, behavior that you want us to interact, Lord, that helps us to overcome. But more than all, God, it begins with your son. He has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And if we trust in him, God, that we will find peace, security, and all that we need. God, if there's anyone, God, who has not trusted in you, God, let now be the time that they do. God, let them not look around. Let them not wonder if anybody else is going. God, simply let their hearts be moved, God, to come to the front and say, Lord, I need you. I'm vulnerable in this moment, and I don't have anything else, Lord. But I know one thing. I trust in the fact that it is because of you that we have life. It's because of you that I can be saved. You died and you were raised according to the scriptures, God, so that you could, for the forgiveness of our sins, Lord. And Lord, if I trust in you, God, you promise to never let me go. And God, I say, and God, if they trust in that, God, that is the best beginning and start to any, any recovery we could ever have. In Jesus' name, amen.